Joe presents TKO together with 32 Red. Welcome to TKO and Joe together with 32 Red. As you know by now, we're a podcast and YouTube show with you every Thursday. Carl isn't with us this week. Uh, he's on his way to Las Vegas in preparation for that big fight on November 30th. However, the man to my left is Callis Owland. Welcome to TKO. Thank you very much. Nice to be here. Now we've had sort of tweets and I've had people saying every week, can you get Callis Allen? Can you do I'm, not, I'm actually sick of hearing it. So I'm so <laughs> pleased. And of course, a big week for you. Super Series final on Saturday. Josh Taylor, Regis Progray. And we've even got the Muhammad Ali yeah, Trophy for those of you watching the, on the YouTube. The little fella with us. Just, a, uh, yeah, slightly bigger than the Ashes. Heavier as well. Isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, isn't it just? Now, one guy on Saturday will get his hands on this because, and we're just talking, there is a guaranteed winner. There's no eventual, there's no eventuality there is, of a draw. There is, and, it, and it's one of those fights... Um, which so easily could go a the distance mm. and be being very very tight could be a draw. It's a throwback to season one. I'm not making predictions now, but I think it will go down to the wire, similar to to Uzik Bredis, for example, where we had that super tight semi final. Uzik went on obviously to the final and onto all the glory that followed after the tournament as well. Really launched him, and. Um, you know, I think it's it's got tight. It's got a very tight fight written all over it. You know. Okay, let's say the cards go to a draw. Yeah. What's the process? There's there's count back involved at some. It starts with it starts with so we get the results through. There is always a in the World Boxing Super Series. There's always a fourth judge. So in the case of I'm going to go back to Uzi Breedis again. Mm. In the case of the fourth judge, it was actually for Breedis. So Breedis didn't give up the last round. It would have been it would have gone to a draw, but the the fourth official had it for Breedis by round. So would have been very interesting then, you know, would have been a completely different scenario around. I mean, Uzik's a big player at the heavyweights, you yeah. know, so, so things can be so razor tight at this, at this end of the game. And um, if it doesn't go, so let's say the fourth judge has it uh, a draw as well. We then go to a countback system. Now, people who don't watch golf, a countback system is, taken from the game of golf, mm. it is going backwards. So you go round 12, Round 11, bump, 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 bump. It's quite a bit like athletics with long yeah. jump, high jump, now, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And theoretically, you still could maybe potentially not find a winner. I think now we're in the probabilities of around one in four or five million. <laughs> so then there's a couple of other methods to even make it crazier. But ultimately, we've got a toss of a coin. Wow. That one has to, ha- that one has to work. But there, I think we're talking about one in 40 million. So, okay. So I think we, we, we definitely will find a home for this on Saturday. Be the third winner. He'll be the third winner after Uzik and, and Callum Smith, of course. And then ten days or know, two weeks. Two weeks. We're in. Uh, we're in Japan for Inui Donair. Looking so. forward to it. I'm actually commentating on the world feed for that okay, with well, Darren Barker. It's going to be interesting. I can't wait for that. I'm, I can't wait. Great um, commentator Barker as well. He's great. Yeah, he's oh, and he's, he's, yeah, he's, he's to, to work stuff. with. He's an absolute dream. I do all yeah, the matchroom yeah, world feed with him. Very good lad. Yeah, he is. North London boy. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, you so, split your time and know between... Hamburg and North London, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're, for, for people who don't know the, the story, your dad was, was sort of trading in Africa, wasn't he, when he first got the opportunity to promote a boxing event. Quite an interesting story how it all came about. I don't, don't necessarily get the impression it was in the plans initially to do, but he ended up promoting in, in Africa. Yeah, it was, you know... Uh... You'd have to talk to him about what he did in Africa. It was a lot of he was a he was a self-made guy. Came over, he's German. He grew up in in, in Germany in the war. I left Germany, went to um, went to Africa, and did a lot of import export businesses, bottling lines, breweries, a lot of government business. And one day, 
the story goes. Uh, he uh, was asked by the Zambian government to close a deal. And part of the deal was, well, could you help us out? We have a, we have a young fighter here. Could you, could you put him on a, on a boxing show? So my dad, being my dad, said, uh, yeah, of course, no problem, absolutely. Left the room and thought, oh, my crikey, what the fuck am I going to do now? <laughs> Excuse the language. No, no, it's fine. But, uh, but um, you know, it was, it was, no, it was, there was, you know, so he had to put on a boxing show in Zambia. So he went back and he was living in uh, just outside of, uh, in Buckinghamshire, outside London, uh, by the Thames. And he'd met through the social scene in London and these gentlemen clubs. He met Mickey Duff via, via some friends. And, he, and he, he, he called up Mickey Duff and said, listen, you don't know me really, but just so you know, I don't want any money off you. In fact, I'm going to pay you. Come over, help me put on this show and I'll make it worth your while. We'll sign these fighters up. And, and it went from there. And they put on a show. I think it was 60,000, 70,000 people. I don't think there was any entrance charge. I've wow. seen pictures of it. And it was called an arena, but it wasn't really. It was, it was just mounds of hills of grass and people sort of sitting in trees watching and crazy stuff. But that was uh, an amazing thing to be a part of. Yeah, I mean, it must have been. I was, I, mean, I, was, I was, I was, I was just born then. So, uh, my first, my first, my first babysitters were were all were all boxers from right. mainly African boxers. Uh, John the Beast Mugabe went on a fight. Hagler, yeah, yeah. Uh, Sham Uli, who who had this great fight with Barry McGuigan in the eighties in Belfast. You had a uh, Lottie Moana, uh, Jacinda Mutti. These these were the African guys, and then that's where where it all started back in the seventies. I was going to say because around that time, seventy four, wasn't it? The Rumble in, in the Jungle in Kinshasa. Yeah, yeah. So was it? Was this? I don't know if you noticed this was before or after, but I just wonder whether it was a reactionary thing to the the crowds and, and what the business that was drawn from from that fight. Yeah, first person who ever asked me that, I've got no idea. Yeah, um, I wonder. I'll have a, I'll have a dig, I'm sure yeah. Don. I'm sure Don King would would take a claim on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he would. Yeah. He probably asked for a percent. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he would. Yeah. Uh, no, I think you know, I, I think you know, boxing is such a it's such a sport which attracts the weirdest of different such a there's such a huge spread in the different people who get involved mm. in boxing you get everything from let's be honest i mean al capone was a boxing promoter or manager you know but it goes all the way through to blue chip companies who get involved you see more and more you know massive public companies getting interested in boxing media companies mm. of course you know especially with the development of ott platforms uh you know so you see all walks of life in boxing. That's what the most fascinating thing about the boxing industry is, A, you don't know what's going to happen today, let alone tomorrow, and you don't, you you have such a wide variety of people you're dealing with. It's really an A to Z of, 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 uh, of the world. You, you have to be thick-skinned, I guess, in this business, because it is, as you say, it's dog-eat-dog. Dog. There are as we know, some quite shady characters. It's probably hard to, to trust everybody that you meet and you come across. I get the impression, and this is the first, today's the first day we've met properly and had, a, had any sort of conversation, but the reputation you and your brother have is one of very few um, sort of co- collectives that actually get on with, with almost everybody, as far as I'm aware, and does yeah. at, least, at least good business with everybody. You met the right people. Right. <laughs> Exactly, and we pay well. Yeah, so, um, right, it must be. Yeah, it must be. Something. Yeah, no, I, you know, there's a lot made of of how hard and tough boxing is, and you know, and how difficult the business is, and yeah, of course it's difficult. It's it's difficult because anything to do with sports and money is difficult. Mm. I actually started my career in, in football. Forget boxing. Forget boxing. Football. That's one of gangster sport. That's football. Oh, you know, really? That's a, that's football, hands down. If I. 
I wouldn't leave. I wouldn't be able to leave the building if I told you half the things. I have the the FBI outside the door waiting for me. Uh, not saying that I was involved but, uh, <laughs> as a witness, of course. Yeah, yeah. But no, football is a very, 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 very snaky, sharky environment. But you, of course, have a a much bigger pool of money as well in football. Mm. But boxing is a massive pool of money given the amount of players in the industry. There's not many players really in the business. So from that point of view, the barriers of entry are pretty high. Whereas in football, you know, you can become an agent tomorrow and, uh, you know, it's, it's it's relatively low. You, you, need, you need your network, of course, but those things can happen quite fast. And it's, there's a lot of, a lot of, lot, there's a lot more backstab in football than there is in boxing. Boxing, I learned very early on, no matter how much you hate someone, always be prepared that one day you're going to have to work with them again mm. if they're a player. So just talk to me, I guess, again, for the people that don't know, you, you, your dad obviously brought boxing then over to Germany, sparked a, a huge movement there. And I guess that was the environment that you grew up in, seeing seeing boxing and being involved in these kind of events. But you decided to go into football rather than straight into boxing. Yeah, yeah. What, what was it that... Did you not just think this would be the easy route in or did you think, want to do something different? I think, yeah, you'd be, it, was, it, was always, yeah, it always want to be a bit different, yeah. right? the old man. But uh, first of all, I had zero relationship to Germany. You know, I had a German passport, but I moved here when I was one. My brother was never lived in Germany at all. I lived there one year, you know, when I was when I was naught to one. So I was uh, raised in North London, and um, so my my involvement with a German boxing, let's say the the move in the nineties, which was the big one. Uh, when you know you had the likes of Henry Masker, Axel Schultz, Rocky Johnny. Um, you know, those are, and there were, you know, the, we were talking about 20 million viewers, 22 mm. million viewers, yeah. Big, 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 big events. That's where it all started. It was a hobby for the, for, for my dad for, for the 70s, 80s. He, he, he lost millions at it. And it was like his racehorse, you know, uh, it was, he did his business and that was the hobby. And then suddenly it, it, it became interesting. The wall came down. You had the East German fighters coming over. They were a lot better than the West German fighters. And you had massive fights. You had Henry Masker from East Germany. You know, the sort of good guy, you know, it was a Hugo Boss model, uh, very clean cut. And he had Rocky Johnny who'd sort of bail out of prison to make the fight uh, from West Germany, you know, from the dirt of Berlin, West Berlin, a real tough guy. And it, those, were, those were the sort of fights that, that, that just captured the whole imagination. It was more than boxing. It was about East and West mm. Germany. You couldn't rewrite that script, you know. It was, uh, it, was, it, was, it was great stuff. How much did I get? Of that, I used to go over on the jolly. You know, it was a it was a weekend over in Germany. I didn't know much about the business. You know, it was it was a teenager most of the time when this was going on. Uh, so went over for a weekend. Took the took the lads from London and went over for a great weekend in Germany and watched the boxing from up close to the thing. So it was it was a very distant relationship to boxing. I was overfed boxing as a kid. When I was before I was before I was a teenager, so I would I would have on my wall. It wouldn't be. Uh, you know, I don't know, the, the latest pop band or whatever, it would be Marvellous Marvin Hagler, mm. my, my, my favourite fighter. Or, you know, I'd read the, read the KO magazine or the, or the Ring magazine, that would be my, my thing, you know, which was a bit odd for, for a kid that age. So I think when I hit 13, it was like rebellious time. I, said, I like football, you know, I started going to Tottenham and actually via boxing again, late Danny Mancini, one of the, the greatest corner men of all time. Mm. He was almost like my acting godfather, and he took me. To, he took me to Tottenham, and and and, and I got into it. Got into the football, and, and and wanted to work in football. So, how much of the jock boxing German revolution I really 
I didn't take part in any. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so how much did I really get? Yeah. I got that there were big events. I got it was fun, but I was more attracted to, to the uh, to the, the football side of things to start with. So this is what you, you moved into it straight after school. Or? Yeah, I mean, I, I look. I, I spent summers, of course. I worked in gyms. I, I did. Uh, I did time in the office, in the promotional office, to, to, to sort of spend some summers, make a few quid. Uh, that was it, you know. So I was, I was, I was around the business. If I said that, I'd be. I'm 42 now. I can say I was a promoter since 30 years. But mm. I'm not going to tell any porkies here. I got, I got into boxing in my mid 20s, you know. So give or take, and via the TV side. So I was trading, did a lot of player player deals, TV rights deals. Uh, looked after the Brazilian national team, create the Brazil World Tour. Uh, with them, and we, uh, you know, we opened Wembley Stadium against England. We did, uh, we did lots of things. So we reached a lot of stuff in football, but the dark side of boxing always had its pull. Mm. And when we started doing the international rights on the events, it sort of dragged me more and more into it. And then, yeah, I guess the pull was too much. Because it was, the... I, still, I still do some, some work in football these days. Oh, I still do you? Do some, yeah, still do some work in football. It's okay, key, but nice to keep, nice to keep a hand in the. Yeah, yeah, like in the, in the fire hands and lots of pies. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. It was the it was the betting rights that was a bit of a revelation when you're selling yeah. internationally. Yeah, no, I was, I was, I was saying before. You know, I think when 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 I look at now, when people talk about like the zone and all these new these new companies that are coming out. You know, you have to look at when people question the models and people are behind the zone are geniuses and. You know, I've known them many, many years, and and the, the, the you know, when you look at the the way they created perform, setting the betting rights, and you know, it was amazing revolution in the in the business that perform was at the time. So when people say, "Oh, how do you see Dazon?" I said, "Well, I just believe in in the, in the management behind it. I know I believe in the founders. I've known them so many years, and I saw at the time." Growing, going through, let's say the media rights trading, I had a lot of contact with with, with the people who were who were behind the zone or perform uh, at the time, and, and I can tell you whatever whatever they they touched turned to gold. So I think it's great news for boxing that they're now involved in boxing as well in such a big way. You know? Yeah. Um, in the kind, of, I guess it was what 2009 to 2011, the Super Six rolled around. You had two or three fighters in Kessler. Who else did you have in that? Abraham. Abraham. Abra- it, was, it, was, it was Abraham and Kester. And then I went and did a deal with Hennessy for Frotch. Oh, yeah. Darrell, uh, of course, as yeah, well. Yeah, Darrell, Ward, and uh, Jermaine Taylor. Of course. Jermaine Taylor was the, the sort of flagship American that was yeah. brought in because no one knew Darrell or Ward. I mean, Ward had won a gold medal when no one knew him. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I, I remember it was, a, it was a Friday night and I was working out opponents for Kester and for, for Abraham and I was struggling to put together I was trying to make an Abraham Taylor fight and um, I'm like well, why doesn't he fight him and you know they wanted so much to come over to Germany and Abraham wanted that much to come over there and I was thinking it's all far too complicated I said there's so many great fights to make in this division super middleweights I said we, let's, let's just put it all together mm. I said right so I started it was it was a fr- Friday night and I was being sad at home, <laughs> working out exactly the battle plan. But that was, was, a, like, was, that was a, they all say the, the, the weirdest but, ideas are there. No, but it, but it was, and, and I, I sat up literally to about three, four in the morning with a hat, pulling out the names. So I'd done my own draw. <laughs> and then I realised, but hold on, we've got to get these guys into the tournament. So, we, you know, no one's going to go in the tournament based on one fight. And we haven't got enough money to pay them a 
big enough puss just to say it's going to be one fight. So we had to go to this round robin system. So everyone was guaranteed, even if they lost, they would still be in the tournament and it was a group and, and they could you know, they could collect points, bonuses for knockouts. So anyway, I put the thing together over a weekend. I called Ken Hirschman, who was the general manager at Showtime at the time, mm. on a Sunday. I said, Ken, I've got a brainwave for you, mate. I said, what about this? And I basically sent him a, a PowerPoint presentation, which had been knocked up over the weekend, and... Of, uh, of the Super Six, and um, I thought I'd copy actually my draw. Um, it, it's horrendous looking, uh, like <laughs> copy and pasted out of the internet the pictures, and it looks disastrous. But but it was the manuscript of the Super Six, sent it to him. He said, Can I? I said, Well, I'll come over and meet you. American broadcasters never travelled to Europe at the time. You know, it was always you had to go and see them. I was in New York once a month to meet them. And uh, he said, No, no, it, it can't wait. I'm getting on a plane. So he was in. He was in Berlin 24 hours later. We met. We had uh, an all-night session working out the money, how to do this, how to do that. He went off and did the uh, basically the master tournament agreement. Ken was a lawyer as well. And, you know, he was very good at putting together the agreement side of it. I went out and said, right, I'll take care of the Europeans. You bring in the Americans. And I'll go to to ARD because I needed some. We needed more money. ARD is a public broadcaster in yeah. Germany. They backed the tournament. So suddenly, we had the money. We had the contracts in play. We just had to get the, the fighters on board now. So I went to see the fighters, and it was fun and games all the way. Uh, actually, the Americans signed up pretty quick because it was a great opportunity for them. I'd never even heard of Durrell, let alone Ward was was obviously on my radar as a gold medalist, but. I didn't think much of him. I saw one clip where he was actually wobbled in an early fight. So I thought, oh, it's perfect. You know, we'll, we'll take a clean sweep here. You know, yeah. we'd like to ride a cup, you know. Yeah. And, um, yeah, little did I know that Ward was actually a decent fighter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was so a bit good, wasn't he? Knowledge. Yeah, Kester went over. I was like, oh, it's going to be one easy payday yeah, for Kester. Yeah, you know. And, uh, and we had a rough and ready Ward who, 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 who beat him. And um, But going back to it, it took us... I mean, six weeks of basically working days and nights uh, to put it together. The big press tour launched in uh, Madison Square Garden. Then we flew the whole crew over to the Tivoli. Had 20,000 people in Tivoli with Kessler and the whole thing. And, you know, I was... It was, but it was, it was, it was like a rock and roll tour. One, one, would, one would lose a passport. You'd, you'd get lost on the way. So we only had the actual six there when we did the last stop, which was in Berlin. Uh, under the um, under the Brandenburg Gate, the, the picture of the, the, the six fighters, and that was when the tournament launched. And then we saw some great fights in it, uh, but it was it was very, you know, it was long winded and oh, all the arguments. I remember we had a huge one with Froch because Froch lost to Kessler. There was the ash cloud. He didn't want to travel. I got and Rachel on the, was got pregnant. The plane, yeah, yeah. Um, and we got we, we got we had all sorts of argy bargies about that and. Uh, and yeah, and then and then, cut long story short, then we had to then we put him in Monaco, and he was suddenly had a mysterious back injury, and then it was pushed to Helsinki, and all these things, and I'm just sitting there thinking, oh, great idea, but bloody hell, when's this going to finish? Mm. I was like stuck in my own nightmare. So I went off, did that, but ultimately we put great fights together. I mean, Kester Froch as a standout was was for me the two Kester Froches were, were possibly the greatest fights I've ever seen live, mm. but. It took too long, and it produced 
two massive stars. So you showed what the narrative of a tournament can do in um, in Andre Ward, who went on to fight at HBO pay-per-view. Frotch, who before the tournament couldn't send out a phone box and after the tournament was selling out Wembley Stadium. Oh. Um, so you saw what, what, what that process could do, but it needed to be completely re- rethought over. I realised you needed an independent body which makes the decisions and you don't rely on the broadcaster who's only got the interest really in, in satisfying its needs. You need a neutral, um, a FIFA or a UEFA as you like in football. If you want to create a Champions League, you need a neutral body which creates, makes those decisions that you don't want to make sometimes. I'm going to pick up on that in just a few moments' time. We'll be back with Calla uh, just shortly. Right now, though, as you may have seen, there's a brand new show on Joke Pioneers with John and Machi. Uh, if you haven't seen it, check this out. My day job is helping businesses thrive through disruption. This show is not about business. It's about people who go from nothing, a seed of an idea, something that everybody thinks is completely impossible, and build it into this massive, massive, massive business. There are a thousand different ways to be a huge success. One of the most interesting things that we're learning is that how people are failing is almost as important as how they succeed. In fact, it's integral. It's business. Pioneers is having really honest conversations with people, talking about their business, their objectives, their purpose, whether they're just out to make a ton of money and then quit, or whether they really want to change the world. Pioneers on Joe. Listen to it. Download it. Watch it. I had nothing profound to say. Okay, back here on TKO on Joe, together with 32 Red and promoter Calla Sowland. Now, it's interesting, just before the break, you were talking about the need for a kind of centralised body that makes decisions. Now, one of the biggest criticisms of the sport of boxing is that there is no centralised governing body and it creates these warring factions who want to kind of monopolise their stable of fighters. They want to make their, their themselves the go-to bunch. Yeah. And different promoters have got different monopolies at different weights. Eddie's trying to monopolise the heavyweights. You know your stuff, eh? Well, listen, <laughs> this, is what, this is what I do. This is no, what I, I do. Mean, yeah, but, but it, it is the nature of the beast. Yeah. It is that we are a... And I use the word unregulated in 2019, but it is. It's an un, it is. It's a pretty much unrelated, uh, unrelated, unregulated, unregu- deregulated, or unregulated, yeah. unregulated wild west with a lot of money involved. Mm. So when that happens in any business, so let's not just pick on boxing. Any business that generally leads to a lot of different things that can come out of it, which aren't great. But I've got to say, I think the sanctioning bodies, they're under a lot of pressure as well to deliver. It's not like they just say we want to create X belts because we feel like creating X belts. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold my hand up. I've been a guilty party of make, you know, calls. I need, I need a belt for this guy. I need somehow to get this fight. This, this fight needs a belt. That, that's what you do. That demand, though, comes from the broadcaster. Mm. The broadcaster somehow... The, the fans tune in, so it's it's a it's a circle which works. The fans want to see the belt, they want to see world title fights. Broadcaster wants to deliver for the fans. The broadcaster uses a promoter. The promoter uses the sanctioning bodies. Sanctioning body and gets their the fee. Old, and... The poor fighters, they're, yeah. they're, 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 they're waiting to see which belt they're fighting for. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, joking aside, it is it is uh, unfortunately there are a lot of belts at the moment, and and that is the thinking that we have is. Keep it simple, you know. We'll bring in the real world champions to the best of our ability. We'll bring in the the stars that we see in those weight classes and we'll clear up any questions. Mm. There are no questions anymore at Cruiserweight from season one. 
we knew that Usyk was the best guy when he lifted the R-League trophy. There are no more questions at super middleweight. Everyone knows Callum Smith's the man to beat now. There aren't going to be no more questions when Progress fights Taylor on Saturday night. There are going to be no more questions at Bantamweight when Anui fights Donair. And back to the cruisers, because well, Usyk's obviously gone out, we'll know when Breedis has fought Dortikos, we'll know who the best cruiserweight is. Mm. And those are, then we don't need any discussions about this champ's better than that champ. We know who the man to beat is in that weight class. And that's all this is. It's, 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 I've said it many times. For me, it's the Champions League of Boxing. This here is simply a symbol. It's a symbol of being the greatest in their weight class. What better ambassador? We were very lucky to be able to work with the Ali family, the Ali Trust, to put it together. Um, and to use uh, Muhammad Ali, obviously, as the, the greatest of all time, as our as our virtual ambassador. Now. Yeah, I guess, of course, as you say, you know, in his era, the early the early days, and, and the Cassius Clay iteration, my personally my favourite ever yeah. fighter to see a guy move like that at that weight. I and mean, the Liston fights were just it's, different, different gravy. You can't stop watching them. You can't, and and uh, and of course, in his era, in the early part of his era, there was it was the one belt era, yeah. and so it was easier per se to crown one champion and know who the best was yeah. but of course there is as you say a financial incentive with sanctioning fees for there to be more governing bodies and as more recognised and more champions take on more belts the, the kind of as you say the, the percentage and the possibilities of getting one person as an undisputed or unified champion become slimmer yeah. which is where the niche in the market for something like the Super Series comes in and I guess you you learn from the experiences, the good and the bad, and I remember the Super Series, uh, the Super Six rather, as a, as a fan watching it. At, I guess my early twenties and thinking, standbys and paid standbys would have been potentially a good solution to some of the problems when you had injuries or like things like the Ash Cloud and that that goes unforeseen that often yeah. come up in boxing. This is a tournament where you've had guys on standby, correct? Paid, right? Correct, absolutely paid. They've normally fought on the card, but. The difference is going back to this decision-making power. The decision-making power in the Super Six was the broadcasters. So they're not going to pay for a standby if Andre Ward gets injured. They're going to say, right, reschedule. Simple. The difference now is the way we've structured our broadcasting agreements is we go for consistency. You know there will be an event. You know that you know there will be a fight. So, you know... We've said, OK, with the finals in season one, we had uh, we obviously had the, the, the shoulder injury with Groves. Mm. But we said we're going to stick to the year timeline. They all fought three fights in one year. You know, that does not happen in boxing. No. It does not happen. At that level, it does not happen in boxing. We also looked at it and said, well, it's a bit odd. Out of four finalists, all four were injured. Uzi got an elbow operation. Gassiev uh, had yeah. shoulders, shoulder, I believe. Yeah. Uh, if I remember correctly, Smith had a hand problem, and shoulder had the uh, Groves had the the, the shoulder, shoulder yeah. the shoulder. So, you know, it, it was bizarre. But then, when you really look at it, hold on, they've been through that schedule. They've really had those two fights in quick succession against, you know, Uzi just for. A war with Breedis, Dorticos and, and, and Gassiev was a war. You know, uh, Groves had been through that crazy fight with, uh, with Eubank. Uh, you know, so they'd gone through these tough fights before. So when you match them that hard in that space of time, then you, then you, you do tend to get 
you know, wear and tear, and it's and it's not really just the fights, you know. Even if even if you look at it, okay, so you can say, okay, Groves won the first round against the Cox in, in uh, won the first fight against Cox in, in uh, I think four rounds it was, mm. but he had the camp for for that fight, of course. you know. So and and at that level, when 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 there are massive sums at stake, especially on win bonuses and things, then that camp's going to be just that bit harder. You know, yeah. so you've got to prepare for that part. You know, it's, uh, so yeah, so, look, there's, you know, there's, it's the second season coming to an end now with some great finals. We had great, great fights in season one, we had great fights in season two. We were now working on season three. But, you know, we still, it's not, we're not, we're, there's still things we're going to change. You know, we're going to change probably the, the complete lighting system that we've had for the first two seasons, probably come up with something new there. It's, it's 2019, we started in 2017, you know, we've got to move with the time, mm. so we're going to look at it, maybe reinvent something on that. The, the, the whole schedule, I've said publicly, we're going to move that schedule, we're going to optimise that schedule, also more to our OTT market, our internet market. Is it going to be like a calendar year thing now? Yeah, but that's what we're looking at, is a okay. calendar year, and we're not quite there yet in terms of exactly how we want to do it, but uh, but it will be different. At the moment, we're more of a sort of a football season run over the year, you know, okay. but, you know, there's, there's, that's still in a, in a planning stage. And in terms of weights, you know, I'm open whether we go back to two weights, whether we go more, let's go four weights, let's go one weight, you know, but it's also a question of budget. Yeah. And it's also a question of doing what we have done best by delivering best versus the best. So I've heard this, this discussion about heavyweights. You know, everyone loves the heavyweights mm. at the moment. And there is a great tournament there to be made right now, not only at the top end, but also take away the, the three, four... Like your Urgovic's and Dubois exactly, and exactly, those exactly, kind of exactly, guys. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Yeah. And it's sort of the chasing pack. The issue is, for me, that would have to be... It would be very different to doing a you know a best versus the best. These guys might be the best in the future. I think, but, I think, but I think people would understand at the very top end, yeah. given the money that's now in the heavyweight that's, division, that's not but, that's not feasible. But yeah, It's business, and and I I think that you'd be looking at uh, a very large in the hundreds of millions, obviously, to put that together. But the revenues are also there. So who would you have? You know, if you hear about them, who would I have in, in the eight? Talk to me. Get your eight. Well, in. you need you, you need the four. Yeah, you know, you need the four. So you know, your your your, your Tyson Fury uh, um, as lineal champ. You got your, your, your Wilder as WBC champ. You got Ruiz Joshua with the other belts. Then so you got your four. Then you got put, of course Dillian White yeah. number five. Um, Did you have Usyk in there. I think Uzik's got to go in, yeah. We'd have Uzik, to really. Uzik at six. Uzik at six. Uh, Hergovic for me at seven. And then you throw in. I'm going to get, I'm going to get slated now, aren't I? What about, what about some luck? Joe Joyce, I like very much. Yeah, Joe Joyce, Dubois. There's some, there's some, there's some, there's some, that, that last spot would be the tough one for me. You know, mm. the other ones that make it up, you've got Tony Yoker, of course, who's come back now. He's just served up, served the ban for, I believe, for doping. Uh, well, I, th- I think it's what, three missed tests or something. Well, three missed tests, wasn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, but yeah, uh, it's a bit, yeah, it's not a great it, look, is it? So yeah, but so, so that last spot would be, would be the one. I think the fans would, would, would agree with me on the seven, but the, uh, but the eighth one, mm. I'd, uh, no, I'd I think you're right. Storm on that one. I think you're right. Uh, um, but, but talking 
you must have been in discussions looking at weights you want to do for, yeah. for season three. Can you yeah, give us any flies, clip? super flies? I like yeah. Uh, for Charlie Evans and yeah, Kalyafi. Yeah, yeah, and... yeah, yeah. So there's there's there's, there's, there's a, I mean, female weight class, female weight class, female females, yeah. all vogue at the moment. Yeah. You know, and it's a, it's we, we we were probably the, the first promoters really to take female boxing very seriously and. We've had great success doing that in Germany and in, in Scandinavia as well, uh, under the Team and banner. Uh, but I think it could be time for a World Boxing Super Series in the females. You look at going back to the super middleweights, of course. Mm. One of my favourite well, Of course, weights. yeah. I think the, the light heavies, good arguments for them as well. What would be the problem with the but, light heavies? Is, does Bob Arum not want to play ball? No, read something I think about I, that. I could, we can work very well with Bob. Bob's, for me... Obviously, one of the, the greatest promoters ever, mm. if not the greatest promoter ever, and he's one of the biggest characters. Oh, hell of a guy, isn't he? Just an amazing <laughs> character. Honestly, I've got so much respect for Bob. He's, uh, he's a great, he's a great guy. The and, energy and as well. The energy, like the energy. And he, he reminds me of out of a Goodfellas film, but mm. uh, and he's like, he's, he's so give a shit, you know. Yeah, which yeah. I love. I mean, I try and sometimes replicate his his his, his style, but you can't do it. No. There's only one Bob. Because someone's, who gives a fuck? You know, mm. everyone takes themselves sometimes so seriously. You see people doing interviews, they take themselves so seriously. I'm just thinking, get a grip. Yeah. You know? But, you've, but you yeah. yourself have and, cultivated quite a sort of a, a cult status among boxing fans. In the UK, yeah. In the UK, yeah. I'd like yeah. to hope that I've got more of a serious image abroad. <laughs> <laughs> but you must, you must embrace No, I do, that. I do. I mean, a lot of it's, it's tongue-in-cheek and... Uh, uh, we all know what we're talking about. But, you know, it's, it's funny. It's funny. It's yeah. funny. There are a lot of people make uh, make comments about certain facial expressions out of pool, which remind them of nights out. I guess. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? I think again. You know what? But the funny thing is, this is God's honest truth. I'm not saying I'm an angel, but I am telling you. Watch my old man. He's coming on Saturday. Watch my old man watch a boxing fight. Now my old man's 79. He's also. He's had a few good years on the party circuit, but let me tell you something. Watch his, watch his facial expressions, watch mine, and actually I've got, even I think my son's coming, we've all got this tick. So when we're, when we're on a golf course, we're like, like this. <laughs> and people have picked up on it, and I look at the video, I think, fuck me, I look like I'm off my rocker. Mm. Um, but, you know, it's, 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 it's all good, you know, it's all good. Once again, I'm, I'm not saying I'm an angel, but... Uh, I certainly don't party and go to, uh, to, to, to press conferences. <laughs> Off cut, yeah. You know, it's, it's bizarre. But it's funny. I, I find it funny. Yeah. I, I don't take myself seriously in any way, shape or form in that respect. I think it's, uh, it's good that fans seem to like the way I talk and the way I uh, voice my opinions. And, you know, I'm lucky enough to, especially from a UK perspective, to come in, do my job with, let's say, at the moment, tournament, and I sort of then come and do the job and disappear. So I, I, I can't be slated for too long. Yeah, I yeah. feel sorry for any. You're out of office politics and, almost, you know, aren't you? Uh, yeah. yeah, exactly. So you know, I can. I think I'm in a in a luxurious position in that way. But no, I think to be honest, we're talking about UK fighting at the moment. Uh, it's, it's, it's a great market. It's great fun promoting in the mm. UK. And, and I've got to say, Eddie, Frank, all the promoters in the UK, doing a great job. Doing yeah. a great job. I mean, boxing's flying in the UK. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Speak to me about your training, because you, you clearly keep in good shape. I've never seen a gym before in my life. Absolutely. No, uh, no I, I, I'm, a, I'm a gym rat, so uh, 
I train six six days six days a week. Do you? Uh, yeah, yeah. What's so, the, what, what sort of what's your schedule? Like, what do you do in the gym? So I, I wake up. I'm an early bird. So I wake up uh, about five in the morning. Have my uh, a quick protein shake. Get into the gym. I'm lucky enough to have a home gym. If I'm on the road, I always make sure I'm in a hotel with a gym or a gym nearby. And uh, which is a lot of the time I'm on the road. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and yeah, just, I loads of shit though, you know. And I just but I just train every day and uh, always have a. A cheeky protein shake with me, but uh, yeah, no, I've been into it 10 12 years now. Yeah, yeah, so, so you were 42, did you say to me earlier? Yeah, how does your body because I'm 32 now, I want to yeah. know what I'm in for the next it, 10 years. What, what starts to get more difficult? I woke up after my 40th birthday party, which was a big one, I'm still getting over now, two years later, and um, I remember waking up the next day and I, I celebrated out. Actually, uh, Clifton House, just outside of London. Nice dinner and just a few drinks. And the uh, next day I woke up, 41, and I've gone to my phone. I swear I noticed, I don't know if it was like mental, I thought it was a hangover, but I couldn't see, well, my phone was like that. So the first thing I noticed that when you hit 40, your eyes go. Really? Yeah, so that's, uh, I don't look forward to that. <laughs> okay. No, I mean, in terms of training, it just, you know, you have to step it up a bit, you know, Um but I'm, 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 I do it for fun, so you know um, I'm not VADA tested. So <laughs> <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm just have a good breakfast. Yeah. And, uh, and no, but joking aside, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's something that keeps me, me and my, uh, my able to think clearly. I feel like yin and yang come mm. together when I'm in, when I'm training a lot. What a lot of fun this has been, Keller. I'm, I'm so pleased that we've, we've had a sit down and had a chat. And I hope next time you come in, Carl will be with us as well because I know he's got lots of questions for you and, and, and stuff. Do you, do you know Carl? Have you met yeah, Carl? Of course, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sure he'd, yeah, he'd be he'd be gutted not to be Carl's sat there. Yeah, he's Carl's. great. And, and him and Nanito are also great friends since their fight. Yeah. So I know he'll be rooting for him uh, in, in Tokyo. So yeah. listen, mate, g- good luck Saturday. I hope it's a great show. And, and obviously for the rest of the season with the uh, the Bantams and the Cruisers, I hope it all goes really, really well. Um, before we finish, we've got this section of our show called the 32 Second Challenge. So oh, literally God. in 32 oh, seconds. I did one yesterday. See, I... I'm, you know, people, you know, we're talking about the, 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 the following and things like that. And, the, um, you know, the, the on, on the, you know, obviously the Twitters and the, the I'm so behind on these social Are media. Like, I'm terrible at it. And someone came up to me yesterday and said, right, you've got 15 seconds. I said, well, why have you got fucking 15 seconds? What are you giving me 15 seconds for, mate? I'll fucking tell you how fucking long I'll tell you how I'll fucking sell this. No, you've got to do 15 seconds. I said, what's the 15 seconds? Said, well, that's the story. So what the fuck is a story? Oh, it is, yeah. So I think I'm, honestly, yeah, I'm yeah, like, yeah. why 15, why, who fucking came up with the idea it's 15 <laughs> fucking seconds? Why can't my story be two minutes, right? So Instagram, wherever you are, <laughs> fucking listen to me. What um, man. So what yeah, man. so what, I've got 32 seconds today. I've already gone up from Oh, you just use them up, mate. We might as well just leave it there. Yeah. Um, no, like, <laughs> all this is, this is simple. I'm just going to read you a list of words. And they're going to be familiar words to you. I just want you to, sit, to say the first thing that kind of comes to mind when I say it. All right? <laughs> this is dangerous. It doesn't matter. We can get through four or we can get through ten. It doesn't matter at all. There's no rush. Well, I mean, there is a rush. It's in 32 oh, seconds. Days. Right, you ready? <laughs> yeah. So this is Callis Howland's 32-second challenge with 32 red. Uh, your dad. Oh, man. Nissa. There's a little brother. Uh, the Super Six. Long. Uh, the World Boxing Super Series. Great surprise in boxing. Uh, German boxing. German boxing needs a world champion. <laughs> There's a few words on yeah, that. Yeah, no, that's all right. You can have a few words. Uh, Germany or England? England. 
Derek Chisora. <laughs> Nata. Uh, Eddie Hone. Uh, good partner. Bob Aaron. Likeable. Football. Tottenham. That is time. I was going to... Okay, I'm going to give you one more just at the end. Pro Grail Taylor. Oh! Okay, Kalasaulun, I love it. Your, your silence says yeah, it all. I can't, I can't. I'm not allowed to. Shake my hand. Lovely to meet you properly and uh, good luck with it for Lovely the next couple of weeks. You. Great to have you on. Well, as we thought, a cracker with Kalasaulun. Many thanks and good luck. Uh, Saturday night, Josh Taylor and Regis Prober will battle for Super Lightweight Supremacy live on Sky Sports. Make sure you don't miss it. As always, we'll be back here, TKO on Joe, in seven days' time. See you then. You've been listening to TKO on Joe, together with 32 Red.